to Season 5 of Writers' Festival Radio, broadcasting from the unceded and unsurrendered territory of the Anishinaabe Algonquin Nation. My name is Sean Wilson. I'm the Artistic Director of the Ottawa International Writers' Festival, Canada's Festival of Ideas since 1997. We're celebrating 25 years of community connection, and I want to give special thanks to our amazing volunteers who make it all possible, and to thank you for supporting the festival, authors, booksellers, and each other. Today, on episode 13 of Writers' Festival Radio Season 5, we bring you a conversation between poet Ellen Chang Richardson and Manahil Bandukwala about her debut collection, Monument. An acclaimed writer, visual artist, and editor, Manahil was born and raised in Karachi and now makes her home here in Ottawa on unceded territory, where she works as coordinating editor for Arc Poetry Magazine and digital content editor for Cantheus. Here's their conversation. I'm super excited to uh, to chat with you about your debut collection, Monument. Um, before we dive into everything, though, can you give our readers a quick reading? Yeah, of course. Thank you so much, Ellen and the Writers' Festival, for having me on the podcast. Uh, before I start the reading, um, I just wanted to give a quick kind of overview of the book, which is monument, um, but stylized with the N and U crossed out. So it can also be read as moment. And the entire book is, is one long conversation with Mughal Empress Mumtaz Mahal. Um, so each, the poems are kind of based off a lot of research I've done about the Taj Mahal, the, how it's a symbol of love, how the person it was built for has kind of become conflated with the monument. And um, so these are just some of the context things that appear in the poems. Um, and a lot of the book is sequential, but I am reading from the middle. Um, burst. Fruit in the gardens that spanned in octagons across acres inside fort walls. Sweet taste of date off the fingers of a lover or two. Mango pulp making trails down a wrist in August when trees burst open. Sliced upon a platter, the same one that decades later held your son's head. Would Karim look back and think about autumn picnics? Something cracked in geometric fountain. Pure gold and precious stones decorated the four posters of your bed in Kasmahal. Would you have preferred a room full of paper, ink, and 12 types of brushes? An infinite poem carved in Persian and Arabic the first thing to wake to. Not Kerem's face, but the verses of Rumi. Arjuman, as a poet, I have to ask, was it a safety net? 10 lakhs a year, 
a bed in food and travels, creative fodder across the empire. Apple for memories, the beaches of Karachi, and only stories to fill in the gaps of India. As Mumtaz Mahal, was there a single place you could not go? That is so beautiful. Um, I'm actually very glad that you mentioned uh, how the book is laid out. And I'm going to deviate from my guiding questions for a split second and just talk about that because it's separated into seven sections. Um, and each one is kind of like a little world unto itself that are all sequentially related to one another. There's a strong through line, but it's also just beautiful um, to hold and to look at. And uh, <clears throat> the poem that directly follows the one you just read actually is gorgeous on the page. So everyone go pick up a copy of Monument Moment. And take yeah, that poem is is laid out in a circle, and yeah. um, this one actually I love what Natalie Olson, the designer, did for it um, because the circle kind of gets tighter and tighter as you go into the middle, and that wasn't how I had originally kind of laid it out, but I love that it kind of mirrors the feeling of standing in. Um, like a mosque or under a dome and looking up and mm -hmm. and kind of seeing like quite literally like seeing how the the ceiling like goes upwards mm -hmm. it's that vaulting space um yeah. and i'm glad you mentioned that too because i want to start off our discussion by the concept of body as a vessel both biologically and architecturally um it's something that i found scattered throughout your book um and <clears throat> My thought process behind that was like, as the Taj Mahal creates vaulting space for like the millions and millions of bodies that pass through its its space, <laughs> lack of a better word, um, so does Mumtaz Mahal's body act as vessel for 14 others by the age of 38. So what is the body to you and your work? Not just here, but in, in the grand scheme of everything as well. Um, that's a really, that's a very good question. Um, I think like, from early on, this idea of body and poetry um, has been very informative and influential. Um, this is a complete sidebar, but I remember like years ago when I just was starting out as a poet, Sarah McDonnell did a workshop on the the body in poetry with tree reading series. And because it's, this is the Ottawa Writers Festival, it just feels nice to like recall um, these very core like Ottawa places and poets. Mm -hmm. um, with, with this, with Monument, um, body has been kind of very formative uh to the building of the idea um in this collection um like, as you mentioned in your question Mumtaz Mahal's body was a vessel for 14 children um and 14 children that she had in 19 years and that 
that like active one like carrying a child but the recovery that your body needs afterwards um and and how her body just didn't really have that um and thinking a lot about ownership um and the, the fact that a lot of the times it felt like how much was her how much time did she get to spend with her body as her own um and also why i guess a conversation emerged um rather than rather than through like another kind of form like fiction um uh, or that kind of reimagining is also that, that difficulty of of trying to write about the body of someone like a living person someone who was a living person and especially someone whose body has been kind of very politically fraught like with the Taj Mahal it's this grand symbol of love and as you mentioned like this vaulting space for millions of bodies that come to witness like this this grand expression of love and her body is in that tomb um but the the labor and violence that it took to build that and all of the bodies that suffered for that building um yeah there's a lot of a lot of body in this collection and a lot of um like thinking about how the soul and spirit live beyond the body and kind of using that um using that imagining almost as a, a comfort where if in your life your body wasn't your own can it can it be your own in your afterlife i really like that and if we had more time i would branch off into a whole conversation about imprint and you know ghosts and the body as I love <laughs> ghosts as you know yeah ghosts are also just show up in my work a lot i wrote mm. my master's thesis on ghosts i didn't know that that's amazing. yeah yeah um, um yeah, and actually, I you mentioned here that the research for this collection started uh, at Carleton. Um, yeah, I'm gonna guess that's during your undergrad, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and and there's this great article for um, at the back, um, and Manahil does list it at the back of her book. It's a it's an article by Anat Kumar called Monument yeah. of Love or Symbol of Maternal Death, the story behind the Taj Mahal. So I encourage, it's actually a great jump off space and, and there's a diagram in it um, that speaks and, to and illustrates where Mumtaz's body lies inside the, the Taj itself. Mm -hmm. So great for, for background knowledge if anyone <laughs> wants to read that. Um, and actually, about uh, architecture, there's a lot of cheeky art historical crumbs <laughs> scattered throughout this book, which I really loved. Uh, and I tuned into it first in the poem Tilt. There's a phrase, there's a line in there that's how the Bach must have mirrored an oil painting. Um, unless you're a garden hobbyist or you've studied the schematics of non-Western gardens, not many people are aware how mirrored and precise mm -hmm. the schematics of a Bach or a Persian yeah. garden is. 
Um, and in this way, it made me start thinking about how the Bach actually mirrors the precision of like Renaissance Basilica blueprints. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, there's a, a blueprint of the Santa Maria della Salute in Venice, which is really precise itself. Um, and then the basilicas are filled with oil paintings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, that's cheeky. Um, so I want to hear about the intersection of precision because your your word choices are also very precise um and also flora and beauty to you when it comes to the poems that you write yeah well the whole interest in the Taj Mahal and Mughal history for me kind of stems from this interest um one in architecture two in like Mughal women so this is kind of the intersection of the two but it it's an empire that's very renowned for its architecture and very renowned for um, that precision doesn't feel like, I guess, as grand of a word maybe that it is, but these very carefully planned and laid out um, kind of diagrams. In another life, when, when I was applying to university, I applied to architecture programs. So... <laughs> That interest is, I did not go into architecture, but that interest still clearly comes through in in this book, which I think is very fun. Um, And I'm a visual artist, so the the detail and attention in Mughal art, like there's that interest as well. And that's where I sort of pull a lot of the imagery from when making these poems um and there's something just very very cool about the like how how precise again to use that word like the the gardens are and a lot of this is just imagining what they're like um because crossing the border to India is like very difficult and there's a lot of Mughal history and architecture in Lahore that I visited when I was a child mm-hmm. um but if this a lot a lot of the conversations in this book kind of um hinge on this idea of imagining and so it's kind of using the art and architecture and the the more like mathematical side of that to imagine what it would be like to to be sitting there Mm. um and on also on the note of beauty it's something that is very beautiful and trying to contend with that, like the facade that is beautiful with violences that are within. Right, because um, all of the laborers of the Taj Mahal had their hands chopped off after it was yeah. done, right? Yeah, which is terrible. And it's, it's like this grand, like beautiful expression of love and not just like the the building the Thaj, but also like, the gardens are very renowned. Mm-hmm. It's it's just like that's not worth all that violence. Or is it? Hmm. But that's the no. thing. It's, it's, like, it's, it's like, oh, is, like, it? is it worth all that violence? And that the kind of answer is like, no beautiful object is ever worth Mm-mm. any kind of violence it's true um I think that it's interesting kind of um coming from an art 
an art history background and I know you have more of that but that like the sacredness of art um and how does that measure against like the way we value human life whether in the past or even now mm -hmm. over over objects that's a fantastic thought <laughs> and I'm gonna take that back with me after this conversation and think on it and sit on that for a little bit and actually to bring it uh to, to deviate and to bring it back to Ottawa for a split second I discovered the other day that the gardens around the experimental farm <clears throat> there's actually a minor like a little mini bar <laughs> and I didn't so for anyone you know this is a writer's fest for all of the listeners who live in Ottawa if you want to see what that sort of garden looks like in person you can go to the experimental farm and right near the um right near like the horticulture area um where there's that pavilion with like the rose hybrids because women in ottawa back in i don't know how long ago actually created new roses that were able to withstand the cold of our climate in like if you go wander off a little bit into that area there is a mini persian garden which is beautiful um and the national gallery carries a lot of um muggle yeah as well as part of their collection so that's also something that what i loved about this book is i was reading it and i was simultaneously researching <laughs> And I love books that do that. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm pretty sure I, I wrote quite a few of the first drafts of some of these poems in the National Gallery um, and like kind of going around looking at art, looking at um, just yeah, all of the details and then the the National Gallery's architect, Moshe Safdi, built these the two areas there's like the one square that overlooks um the water below or maybe the garden below yes inside like in in the inner center of the, yeah yeah gallery, one's yeah. on the second level one is um on the on the main level and those areas are kind of intended to there's very soft music playing and when as you walk around the gallery you can go and sit there and reflect on the art that you've seen mm -hmm. and it was a very favorite thing of mine to do when in in Ottawa I loved writing there um and just architecture is is kind of built to curate space and curate your feelings in very specific ways because it is just what you are surrounded by mm -hmm. um and in the case of the National Gallery, that's like a very positive, introspective feeling, but not all architecture is like that. No, there is also very brutalist architecture. <laughs> There's a whole movement <laughs> of brutalist architecture, in fact. The Robarts Library in Toronto being a prime example. You're listening to Writers Festival Radio. As always, I want to thank you for listening and for supporting authors and booksellers through these difficult times. Our official bookseller is Perfect Books on Elgin Street, and wherever you are right now, there's an independent bookseller nearby who would be more than happy to sell you some great books. If you enjoy the podcast or any of our virtual programming, please consider making a charitable donation. We can't do this without your support. And now, 
back to the conversation. So you mentioned earlier that you're also a visual artist, and I know that, but not everyone who's listening might know. Can you talk a bit more about how your visual art informs your poetry and vice versa? Because I know you're also working on art at this moment. Um, Yeah, that's a question I never quite know how to answer, just because I think it I think it's something that comes through very, very naturally for me. It's like similar to maybe how how a musician's work informs their poetry, where they're paying attention to things like like sound and meter. And I know musician poets like like Liam Burke and Connor Clayton and Nina Jandristek, like they all do that. And then when they perform their poems, like they just are so think lyrical or melodical or whatever um with visual art i think it it has more to do with how the poems uh, about the the layout of this collection like it was just all i spent a really really long time thinking thinking about that thinking about how the poems would look like how um how I wanted the sections to be divided up, how I wanted like patterns and motifs to appear. Um, like just just for kind of context, like there's sections called braid, threads, unravel, plate. Um, and that that idea of like the the braiding that I wanted to carry through and sort of the the undoing of the braid and then the redoing of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I had this is again um, Natalie Olson did an incredible job with the design but the table of contents is it's not just listed out it's um, done in three columns which I absolutely love and I had someone message me to say that the table of contents looks to them like a monument which I love like it just it goes beyond kind of what is in the individual poems it's also um, there are three columns and uh, and to bring it back to architecture, I mean, there's three different um, evolutions of actual columns like there's Doric columns and then there's a, a, I always forget the middle one, but the last one is Corinthian. So, mm. <clears throat> all right. Yeah. And then, well, and then in the section children, uh-huh. which kind of follow is like, five of her children, the ones who kind of uh, survived and were, were a bit more like prominent. Um, and those poems are mirrored and that mirroring is very intentional uh, because I'm thinking about how important mirroring was in, in the architecture um, of the Mughal Empire. Oh, I love that so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can definitely see the visual inspirations um, and influences behind this individual poems in this book and there's drawings in the book yes there are which i love yeah. it's an upside down da- well i'm not gonna spoil it you should just go no i mean it. i can it's, it's an upside <laughs> down Mahal, and crumbling you kind of see it crumbling and that is so funny because my um my chapbook earlier chapbook paper doll i did the cover of that as well and that is also an upside down building that is crumbling but that one is not a mobile building it's it's a a, a, 
palace that was owned by a Hindu prince in Karachi and then turned into an art museum when the like the prince left mm. after partition. So I really, I really do like crumbling. <laughs> And buildings crumbling. Yeah. Well, because in in crumbling, there is new birth also. Um, yeah. And on that enigmatic note, can you do a, a little mid-reading for us? Of course. And this one is, is particularly for you, Ellen. But also, I think, is just speaks to like, what, do we, what do we focus on? Um, it is after the video game Animal Crossing. Yes. Do, 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 do. <laughs> Restart. I found a rock that yielded white marble. It took me a thousand days to extract enough for your tomb. My shovel broke. I built a new shovel. My shovel broke again. Hours and hours later, my mausoleum went up right in the middle of my island. No one could enter. Meanwhile, the apple trees withered. Meanwhile, the carnations wilted. Streams abundant with fish. Fields teeming with bell crickets. The world did not wait for me. I could have told your husband this. The world might have been different. I might have ruffled through grass. I might have caught shards of shooting stars. Pause. Restart. Springtime's worth of cherry blossoms carpeting the island. I love that poem so much. Um, and also, well, I love that before we started this interview, you said that you just restarted your island. Yeah, <laughs> I got really bored and I raised it to the ground. <laughs> so I started it back up. And actually, when I first read this poem, um, it, it, there were tons of bell crickets on my <laughs> island. Um, and that's actually, I, I like skimmed over the... Um, it's not really an epigraph, but you do mention on it, it's after Animal Crossing. I skimmed over that on my first read, and it wasn't until Bell Crickets that I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> and I paused and went back up, but it's it's such a beautiful, like you, yes, I love Animal Crossing. I play it almost every day. Um, but in this poem, it's more than that. And it it's, you know, you capture those, to use the word again, those precise moments. Um, that are fleeting, but ever present, like special. They're fleeting, but they're special. Special. Uh, it, special is not the right word, but it's almost to the right word. <laughs> oh, so thank you for that. Now, I know you also do collaborations. Yes. Um, we are collaborators yes. um, as part of seven which is an ottawa-based uh, poetry collective but what are you working on these days not just in your collaborations but also your solo work um well so one thing i learned about having a book out is having a book out really does 
swallow your time. Um, I can't say I've been doing much by way of new writing. But you're um, planning a lot of book tours. Yeah, but I, and this is my, well, my sister and I started a project, a collaborative project, um, exploring poetry and sculpture. Um, or no, exploring Pakistani folklore through poetry and sculpture. And we started that in 2019, did some research. It kind of took a pause while we were doing our masters. And now we're picking that up again and working towards um, an artist residency and exhibition, which is very new for me and exciting. And um, I'm really looking forward to some, some more like, to use the word like professional, like visual arts work. Mm -hmm. I actually love that you're working on a future exhibition, fingers crossed <laughs> for it. Um, I'm also part of a group exhibition for my work in like, a few years time but uh, Very it's so exciting when, yeah. when genres cross and you actually it's called the project is Rathar Ragastan. Yeah. um you have a new chat book out right unless it's sold out it is sold out <laughs> <Shoot>. <laughs> but well part of the intention of the project is to to also publish um like a book of the poetry and sculptures and I mean yeah that is all sort of forth coming but the chapbook's called Encounter and it I've done chapbooks in the past I've done collaborative chapbooks in the past but this is the first one that had visual art and it's it's just really interesting to and challenging I think to see, like try and figure out ways to print artwork um mm -hmm. the best way to make that quality come through yeah yeah it's a very different um because you want to make sure the color is accurate and the details are high def. That brings us to the end of our chat. Not the end of our conversation, though. Yeah. We've got lots more lined up. But let's, um, why don't you read us out? Sure. I think I would like to read from one of the, the children's sections. Um, and this one, this one is Aurangzeb. He was... A Mughal emperor and kind of the the start of the decline. Aurangzeb studied as the ruler to spear the Mughal empire to decline. So different from all predecessors and barons. Did you ever wonder how growing up a child in war? all love conditional. Though did he know love and lust, but never learned the difference. From early on, he was the outsider who witnessed the gradual loss of family and eradicated whoever was left. The maybe decline began long before, seeded into the first roots, when Karim struck down his own brother, and you held your husband after like a good, loving empress. You wrote prayers into love letters, peace into the sword tip expressed to your throat. Nor reaching a speculation, Arjman, of any alternate future. All possible paths 
felt to carry. Thank you. It was so beautiful. Monument can be picked up at either Brickworks or an independent bookstore near you. Thank you for sitting with me today, Manahil. Thank you so much for the opportunity to talk about architecture and art history <laughs> in this book, because I I spent a really long time on those aspects of it. Yep. Um, <laughs> Research-based work is very yeah. time-consuming. Um, but it makes me very happy to know that those all those little architecture details were noticed. Thank you again. That was Ellen Chang Richardson in conversation with Manahil Bandukwala about her debut poetry collection, Monument, now available from independent booksellers across the country. Thanks to all our patrons, volunteers, and donors. And thanks to the Government of Canada, the Government of Ontario, the City of Ottawa, the Ontario Arts Council, the Canada Council for the Arts, Ottawa Public Library, Carleton University, and CBC for their ongoing support. This podcast is produced by Aaron Flynn, original music and sound engineering by Mike Dubay. Kira Harris is our program director, and I'm Sean Wilson. Thank you for listening. Music